What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Block Bites Daily. Today, we're breaking down DeSantis presidential announcement, China broadcasting crypto. We're talking base by by Coinbase, the Shimmer Network AMA, uh, Tracer T hardware wallet hacked. We got a lot to cover. We got Beavis joining the show. Always exciting on a Thursday. We're bringing the force majeure all morning. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Mikey, bring us in. Good morning, good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Good Eating good. a protein bar because I'm starving. That was a very clickbaity intro we just had. <laughs> Tracer Tracer Model T hacked. Everybody's Ford screwed. Model T hacked. That was the headline, bro. That's, that's how it read. I, I read can it like Can we start with that one so we can just like... You want to just get it out of the way? Get it out of the way. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of places to start. First of all, let's do some pleasantries. Beavis, how are you? Pleasant I'm doing good. Dinner. I'm doing good. I uh, my hair is all over the place today, so looks nice. Uh, that's about the extent of my. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, right now. it's early morning for you out there, brother. It's uh, nine a.m. for those that. Well, it's pretty early. I've been getting up at like six or seven lately. I've been trying to like skew everything earlier so I can be done with work earlier. And I like it. You know, yeah, this is the way. Right this this is the way. Yeah. So, Beavis, what did you what did you make of the the multi chain madness yesterday? What do you, what do you make of uh, the situation generally speaking? I mean, it was kind of stressful. Uh, it it's I mean, I, I would say multi chain is big enough that it fundamentally changed a lot of everything. Like you know, where you store your money, how you store your money. Um, if if you remember Austin back in the day, the multi chain guys were like. They hung out with us in Phantom Discords and like, you know, mm -hmm. he had that uh, avatar. He was in the Kings group with us. Yes. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it, it really is kind of a shame. I mean, my impression right now, and this was the first impression I got, and it's been kind of validated a little bit, is, you know, North Korea or some sanctioned entity or some criminal was moving money through multi-chain you know, if you're a blockchain forensics guy, you don't really care about the nature of decentralization. You don't really care, you know, who has access to what money. You care that a service was used to launder money, how it was used, and you care to understand that and, and pursue the criminal. So my assumption is that the Chinese team got brought in for questioning, um, which, you know, something illegal happened on their platform. Um, it, it kind of makes sense. Um, we were like trying not to pester the multi-chain team too much. I, we were talking to like bridge providers all morning, trying to make sense of everything. Um, and, you know, they got back to us this morning. Their team has rallied uh, and it's like they've, they've committed that service is going to be maintained. They're going to get service for ZK Sync um, and Kava. And I believe there was yeah, one more. Polygon ZK EVM. Yeah, they were going to get service restored as soon as humanly possible. And, you know, you think, okay, these are uh, EVM chains, you know, that could prove to be, uh, or, or ZK chains, rather, that, that could prove difficult for investigators. Um, so they might be trying to, like, you know, nip something in the bud and, and you know, 
so yeah it i was i was you know i moved some some assets to ethereum and l2s um i was like kind of worried that uh it would be worse than i thought it was i don't think it is right now but very yeah. scary and alarming so i actually have um i have been hanging out in the any swap telegram don't go in the any swap telegram but i have a quote here so block uh got a quote from andre yeah i've got the article here too them okay cool and he said he wasn't particularly concerned about this because assets are secured by the multi-party computation protocol and the phantom bridge is unaffected i don't know what that means but here's what i do i i know what force majeure means and it essentially means an act of God, a power greater than ourselves, something outside of our control has happened. And that is a yeah. very specific way of saying something happened, but we're not saying what happened. Yeah. I mean, MPC yeah. is just like a multi-sig. Uh, it's, it's a fancy way of saying, hey, the, the access to this private key or access to related private keys are stored on different databases. You know, they're sharded. Okay, but like if they've got the people... Exactly. Your That's, uh, yeah. Is as secure yeah, exactly. as your weakest link, dude. I mean, I'd be That's, a little bit more concerned. Yeah. That's that's you more know? concerning necessarily than than anything else. It's like, hey, and I'm you know, interested to know, like, so obviously when when, <laughs> god damn it, when funds are like, let's say you bridge ETH from Ethereum and it goes in the ETH side and it's kind of held there in escrow and they spit you out, you know, the wrapped version on the Phantom side, the ETH that's held in escrow on on the Ethereum side. Is that accessible by the multi-chain team? Um, I do not think so. But what they could do is they could use their messaging protocol. They could use their their governance over it, their their MPC, you know, whatever, and they could inject an attack between chain A and chain B, and mint fake tokens on chain B. You can't mint. Oh yeah. Fake okay. Ethereum. You know, you can't yeah. say, oh, this is uh actually are ethereum now but it, it's secure in the smart contract but in that space between the smart contract you can fake a message and we've seen that like for example that massive bnb uh hack where someone faked a message and said hey i'm the admin and give me 200 million bnb coins or whatever or that's right million dollars didn't we see it on a, another bridge hack too awesome wasn't uh, yeah we see it all the time yeah. that's like what the you know, with solana when when uh winter mm -hmm. went down yeah, yeah he forging, forging messages, forging messages mm -hmm. is is the number one way to attack a bridge. And MPC um, just means you know you need to do something illegal. And and quite frankly, there there are a lot of strengths that a multi sig has that governance does not. And I would I would argue in in many instances, especially when uh, a team is doxed or a team is you know working with centralized entities or government bodies an mpc might be like a, a strong multi-sig could be in that instance stronger than a weak governance uh, because taking over governance can be done you know whether you like it or not um, tornado cash case in point yeah so it they're like the trade-off space is is absolutely massive and i would say if if you're detained by the Chinese government, if your signers are detained, um, unless the Chinese government's like going buku, like burnt scorched earth mode, uh, I think probably you're pretty safe. I don't think, I mean, is the Chinese government going to steal your money? Get the hell out of China, bro. Like if you're, if you're 
protocol is making money and anyone can connect you to it, get the hell out of China. Like go to yeah. Hong Kong for God's sakes. Even maybe that's not that who knows, but like get the F out of China. Yeah. Be a, what was the word Clay? Diaspora. Diaspora. Get, yeah. Be a diaspora. <laughs> we learned that yesterday. So Austin, a lot was made yesterday of, of Fanting pulling the LPs uh, off of Sushi Swap. And this article references, you know, and Andre effectively says, in times of uncertainty, why would you have the LP? So you mentioned right. earlier about, um, you know, uh, basically Kava chain being closed and, and a bunch of the assets losing peg. Can you elaborate on that just so people fully understand why that happened? Absolutely. Very, very simple. Uh, if I'm holding USDC on a chain that I cannot redeem for one to one dollar on another chain, it ain't worth a dollar. Yep. And I'm going to sell that shit into something I can redeem on a centralized exchange for 90 cents. And the more people do that, peg goes poopy doop. Yep. That's how that yeah. works. <laughs> and when, I mean, and it's, when it's, the bridge is restored, they go back up to a dollar. Yeah, it, it's the same thing as when we were worried that USDC might be undercapitalized. It's, it's not necessarily like even if it's only temporary, like not having instant access to a lot of people is like a fundamental like, you know, issue and they just dump and and that's fine i mean it it's like a stable coin is inherently a derivative of whatever is underlying um and you know the same with bridge assets you know a, a stabilized bridge asset is just a derivative of the stuff locked on the other side and the only thing that gives it value is knowing oh you know that's locked in a big dumb smart contract um but really the the core of the security and and i think this is why ethereum remains top dog indefinitely and will remain so for a long time to come is you know those assets are it's like a banknote it's like an iou it's a piece of paper saying hey you know this might have value this probably has value depending on who uh, you're bridging with but um yeah it, it's it's just a shit show bridges bridges are one big shit show and um you know this is what we get for being early adopters is we have to deal with uh infinite shit shows but, uh, I would say like we need the importance of native assets. Like it, yes. it, it, it gives circle more of a grip around the scrotum of the industry, right? When the, the chains that don't have, I I'm sorry, I had to say it. Uh, the chains that don't have native USDC are at risk bottom line or, and that's or USDC for that matter. Newcomers like shimmer where the, the assets that are minted on chain are native to the chain. It sets things like that apart. Uh, no, I mean, great, but those are not the assets that people are bringing value onto the chain with right. value. So not that's cool and all, but we're talking two different languages here, you know? Yeah. The value centers are, just... are stable coins, ETH, BTC, uh, right, anything right. else is just deriving value, uh, you know, from those. <laughs> At least that's how I see it. Some people, you know, there's a lot of value all over the place. I'm not going to say things aren't valuable, but, um, you know. We, we know who the top dogs are and we know what we would prefer to have in a time of crisis, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think we'd all like to see new stable coins emerge uh, and, and, you know, disseminate some of that value well, to other places. Like, like being that's highly a really like super good that's, point. That's kind of what I mean. Sorry. I cut you off. I'm so no, sorry. That's, that's, that's sort of what I meant. <laughs> like if, if there's additional things that can emerge, like there's other, like hopefully there's other, value sources that come in this in the space because like we're very well cdps down. will launch but those are not unique to shimmers bridgeless architecture or native assets is cdps can launch 
earn is you know a, a token that's generated out of a, a yeah, collateralized you, you deposition, <clears throat> and it, it it maintains its value based upon its debt located on the same chain that it exists on. Liquidations happen. It comes, you know what I mean. So like yeah. it's not reliant upon bridges until it is later. Yeah. I I think of CDPs kind of like. Uh, promissory notes as well. It's like, you know, back in the day, uh, merchants in, in China used to take all of their wares and they would create promissory notes, you know, saying, hey, you know, this will stay here, but I'm going to give you this note. This has been happening for thousands of years. Um, and you can go off and, you know, trade it and do whatever you want with it. And as long as it has my seal on it, I'll know that it's legit. And if someone comes back for it, uh, will be all set, good to go. I mean, it's the same as a checking account. It's like, um, you know, we have all this shit. We have all this crap. Um, and, and you know that one, once you want your crap, uh, you can come in and get it. I'm, I'm calling the entire economy, all assets of the world crap. Uh, in this <clears throat> but, um, Can we, can yeah. we answer Scorpius's question real quick? Do you yep. see it here? Um, um, yep. Here, got it. So if we have wrapped ETH or wrapped WBTC and Optimism ethos reserve, are those are they in risk? So who who is the initial issuer of? They have a they have an ether wrapping mechanism within Optimism. Is that true? Like they wrap and, and wrap Bitcoin. Multi chain isn't multi chain uh, has bridged maybe a one one fourth or like half okay. of a Bitcoin uh, to Optimism, and and all the weth is from the main Optimism bridge. So multi-chain doesn't really touch optimism at all. That's kind of the nice thing about L2s is the bridge is like the core mechanism and, and that seven day wait time to withdraw and all these different um, security measures exist as a means to push the value, push more value than you'd get from an instant bridge from um, back here to the network because they have those seven days to say, is this legit? You know, should you be accessing this underlying collateral? Um, and it, it, you know, gives the prover and it gives all of the various emergency response mechanisms time to validate. Um, and that's the cool thing about L2s. And this is why they inherit uh, Ethereum security is because, you know, the Ethereum consensus layer is validating all of the transactions or all of the economic activity that goes on, including bridging. And there can still, of course, be technical issues. But I guess like this is why Optimus and Arbitrum and all of the super well-capitalized firms are so popular. It's, you know, and of course, we've had really top uh, crypto players uh, experience bridge exploits in the past. But, um, you know, it, it's kind of like a massive effort by the Ethereum Foundation and, and by all these huge institutions to secure these bridges. So that's, that's why people like it a little bit better than, you know, your multi-chain or your Synapse, who it's a much smaller company. Um, you know, and a much more focused company and maybe their architectures are a lot better. Um, but when you're a risk manager, you want the biggest companies with the best talent doing all of the, you know, cool stuff that you want. Um, it's hard to underwrite like Joe Schmo making like, you know, cool bridge, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. So let's uh, let's jump into some some stuff that's happened as of the last 20, 24 hours. So, uh, and, and this is a conversation like I don't care about anyone's necessarily particular political views, but a conversation around the power of Twitter, uh, you know, freedom of speech. A lot of things that I saw yesterday from DeSantis announcing his uh, presidential campaign on Twitter. I very much like his 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 position and stance on crypto. 
Obviously, if you're pro crypto, uh, it is it is a positive for us overall. Pro Bitcoin, anti CBDC, a lot of the things that we talk about all the time on the show. Uh, and so, you know, we can we can talk through kind of him as a candidate if you want. But I think you know maybe the more interesting conversation is like, what did you take away from from the way that he went about this? And uh, and obviously, you know, I'm not looking forward to the war ahead between him and Trump because uh, it's going to be fickle it's and gonna all be kinds dirty. Of, yeah, it's going to be terrible. It was put out yesterday by Trump uh, on Truth Social, whatever platform he started. But uh, but yeah, so I mean, there's there's a lot. I think there's a lot to break down here and a very interesting conversation. So uh, who wants to take it first? I think this is so I, I did listen to this until Elon's voice started making my two month old cry and then I had to turn it off. I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, well, you don't like South Africans. What's up, man? But um, so I think this is all right. So here's what I heard right in the first part of this was and I'll, I'll sum it up. But the richest man in the world bought the most influential social media platform in the world. And DeSantis said the single reason he was one to do this was because that rich man exposed our government for being agents against freedom, essentially. Right. I mean, that was a summation of kind of what he said. Sure. And I was like, what a freaking time to be alive, man. Yeah. Like this dude I with all this way. money privatized the, the most vocal social media platform in the world, exposed the, one of the most powerful governments in the world for spying, essentially spying and then curating their own people as to what information they can see. And, and now we're seeing pushback on that. And, and listen, uh, you know, again, we're not going to get into politics, but Clay and I both live in Florida. That's yep. not a surprise, right? You know what happened in Florida? And some people might give me shit for this, but here's what happened in Florida. While uh, Gavin Newsom was like ready to throw you in jail if you didn't wear a mask, but he was out fraternizing and, and getting his photograph taken in bars without his mask, right? Because COVID was going to kill you if you lived in LA and holy shit, don't I send lived your it. kids to school. I lived it, my man. <laughs> Guess what happened in Florida? I don't know. COVID just like magically went away because we we quit fucking giving it news. Like, like my my kid's school got sued by the by the government of Florida. They got fined because because DeSantis said you can't send your you you do not have a right to force people to, kids to wear masks in school. And Orange County said, well. You know, we want them to wear masks. They got fined, like some. They got bitch slapped by DeSantis. That's why I like DeSantis because he doesn't kowtow to the the narratives. All right, so that was a little political right there. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're in crypto, and I do want to say that like Trump has come out anti crypto in the past. Yeah, that's true. That doesn't mean he will come out anti crypto in the future. But crypto is synonymous in my eyes with freedom. If you give people freedom over their money or sovereignty over their money that's that's some decent freedom and if you take away people's sovereignty over their money that's some decent imprisonment right there and so you know one thing he said very specifically is if this administration gets uh voted back in you know they'll, they'll actively try and kill crypto like kill yep. it and i think we've seen that currently you know for for the I mean, well, currently we've seen that we've for the last that, yeah. Yeah, 18 months. Um, and so it's no surprise to anyone, I, I do not believe. And and look, I, I like DeSantis, Trump, Biden, like whomever, fine. But what Twitter has done is enabled this free flow of information and, and legitimate, yep. you know, ability to have a conversation about tough issues, which is something that has died in this country. 
uh, and, and I would say probably globally. And so to me, it was just a very, very powerful um, reaffirmation of the importance of, of Elon Musk buying Twitter and taking a platform that is probably the, the best information disseminator in on the planet uh, mm-hmm. on, in a global perspective and making it um, free again, making it open again and making it you know, giving people the ability to voice their opinions as it should be. Right. Freedom of speech, man. And so I was just I was really, really impressed. Uh, by what they put together yesterday and DeSantis aside or not. Um, I just thought it was a really, really cool you know, way to go about it. And so I'm, I'm excited to see where Twitter goes from here. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm you know, the presidential election is like, I always hate that time of year, but we'll see. Uh, Beavis, want to kick it over to you, man. Like, what, what are your what were your thoughts on obviously like really any of it, dude? Like there's a million avenues we could travel here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm with Basat a little bit. Uh, I think politics is pretty fake. It's a lot of virtue right. signaling, uh, yeah. which is fine. You know, it is what it is. Um, really, like where my politics have developed is, you know, I'm going to try to make the best guess as to what will benefit myself, my family, and my community the most. And generally, presidential elections don't affect that that much. But I mean. I'm excited to hear somebody being pro crypto um, because that's my career. And, yeah. you know, if if we can get um, a pro crypto person in office, that would be cool. Um, that would help my career and that would probably make my life a little bit easier. So that's really the extent of my uh, interest in, you know, the Twitter spaces yesterday. I think like, you know, um, every politician is a little bit of a dog, uh, but they kind of need to be like, imagine having to work in that industry. Uh, you, you need to become a little bit evil. Um, but yeah, uh, if dude, if they make like sensible crypto regs and they commit to really like fleshing out the industry and, and making it something that we can actually do stateside, um, then that would be like unbelievably dope. Uh, I would support yeah. that a thousand percent. I, agree. I don't care about all the other issues because, you know, quite frankly, it's just, you know, noise, uh, yeah. as, as far as what comes out of politicians. I dude, I really like RFK too, man. I mean, he, and he's on the other side. I listened to that whole all in podcast with him and he's also very pro crypto and it's not lost on me that the magnitude of that bull run we had <laughs> in 2021 was in large part to the, the wide open money printer, uh, yeah. that may not have been so wide open under a yeah. different administration. You know what I mean? So that's not lost on me that, some profits were made. I I think like the MMT admin, like if you're well positioned, it's like, hey, we're just going to yank everybody like into the future. And, you know, inflation is inflation. It's going to happen. I, I, I didn't see the episode, but I saw you talked about dollar milkshake theory uh, a few weeks ago. But like all the MMT people on the left and all the like, you know, fiscal responsibility people on the right. You know, you you win both ways. Uh, I think crypto benefits the most probably from MMT, um, just because it's like a monetary heat sink, and it's like you know eventually p- equities are going to be overvalued, and then you're going to be like, let's invest in something that has no value. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How about shit coins? <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, I think like sensible sensible regs for crypto and a crypto friendly institution is good for me. MMT is good for me. I think really like. I'm just focused on on my community and and things that I can affect change with uh, more directly. Yeah, uh, well said, Beavis. I mean, you know, so th- a, a lot to watch. I, I'm I'm ex- I'm very excited about the launch of the uh, the video. 
platform on Twitter and how they integrate that. I actually oh, yeah. think we'll, we'll probably see a large migration away from this to to that. I, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, if, if nothing else, a complete supplement to it, um, just based on algorithms and censorship and all kinds of things that have happened uh, along the way. So interested to see how that plays out. Uh, Austin, anything to add? You gave me a great natural segue. I'm going to use it, but I will kick it to you if there's anything else you wanted to do. All, all I want to say is we are at a particular point in history where media has been completely discredited. Yep. You know, unless you're of a certain age and you just think Anderson Cooper is the sweetest young man in the entire world and he never tell you a lie. But um, we know that. Right. We know that media is bought by their backers and and we're one of two countries in the world where pharmaceutical companies are allowed to advertise on television. And pharmaceutical companies make up something ridiculous, like 70 mm -hmm. to 80 percent of the money that flows through these you channels. You my bread and butter, baby. Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, man. So man. it's crazy. You just need two clients and that's one of them. It's like, bro, how many metaphors for like dick hardening pills do we need to see? <laughs> you know, we don't need metaphors. Like, yeah, you, you chase Ashley and you chase Geico. Just call them dick hardening pills and we're good to go. <laughs> yeah, just give a give like five seconds. Dick hardening pill. Buy it. But that's you that's know, the thing. Like, like it, it, we're, we live in it in the most addicted the most prescribed society probably on the planet. Um, it's yep. a lot of that is happening due to the pharmaceutical companies and they completely own the news media period full stop. So whether you go, ah, Fox news is more my people or ah, shit, MSNBC is more my people. Doesn't no, they're not. No, they're fucking nobody, not. Nobody because they're all, they're all owned except, by the same people. Like well, your I can friends, tell you your family and the people that live on your block. You know, they're your people. Don't worry about what is going on on TV. I promise it, it will. If it does affect you, then you are like a very unfortunate statistic. But um, otherwise, like, you know, all this stuff is just hot air. Yep. All right. So, Austin, you gave me a natural segue. Man, I, my finger, I just like I can't. It, is, it just looks so terrible. Uh, Beavis, I smashed my finger and now it's all black and blue. But. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you gave me an extra segue and I think it's a good one. And, um, you talked about a few different things there that you probably didn't mean to talk about, but it was, it was great. So if we talk about M2 money printing, we talk about, uh, supply of money and you look at China and what they're doing over the last, you know, let's see how far back we're, we're talking here since July of 21. Uh, and this is a five year period. I mean, absolutely, uh, setting new records. So M2 money supply. 12.7% up year over year in March of 2023 with growth of 12.9% in the previous month. Uh, so there's a lot of printing going on in China. And Austin, you, you referenced the bull run uh, in correlation to the printing that was done domestically here, which obviously led to inflation and all the, all the issues that we're seeing now with rate hikes and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a lot of the same stuff is going on in China right now. And I say that to say this, um, they've always been you know, not pro-crypto. There's never really been a, a Chinese pro crypto stance. And CZ put out a tweet yesterday saying uh, the CCT, uh, CCTV, Chinese Central Television, and I dare I click that link, uh, just broadcast crypto. It's a big deal. The Chinese speaking communities are buzzing. Historically, uh, coverages like this led to bull runs, not saying the past predicts the future and not financial advice. So, um, very, very different trajectories of the United States versus China. I would kind of argue maybe in terms of crypto bro there you know you might as well click that link because after oh, i'm not finding a bit at bit forex they've already got all your shit dude. <laughs> <knows> you. <laughs> they're coming for I'm you not, i'm not <laughs> might be a plant i don't even know 
<laughs> but what, like, so I, so look, what do you make of, of this? Like this to me, you know, there's a lot of positive news coming out of Hong Kong. There's a lot of people gearing up for, you know, for yeah. the emergence of crypto in Hong Kong. And the first time that they've actually been able to do this uh, in a public way, that's been sort of, I guess, blessed by the CCP as it seems externally. And we only get the news of which we get, but what do you make of this? I'll tell you what I make of it is that their, their hatred and desire to one up the United States outweighs their hatred for cryptocurrency oh yeah baby (laughs) i mean you see the opportunity at hand right or they do right and and you know the great argument that people are making to the government right now and this will be the argument moving forward regulation of cryptocurrency and adoption here stateside is a matter of national security and it will become one it will and that's the argument that'll get through i think and and it it already already is i mean justin talks about all the time you know uh, counteracting, you know, cyber terrorism or, you know, just all kinds of different things. Like look at North Korea. We see it, like it already is, is my point. No, but having a strong oh, anti- understanding and yeah. presence of, you know, blockchain technology and cryptocurrency in the United States, should we not have that? It may be a matter of national security because it will allow other economies to thrive beyond, you know, the United States. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I said that like I have right a second now- grade education. <laughs> is is the absolute best way to export your economy or monetary system to the world and and i think kind of the 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 argument that you know we being the industry make to the us is right now the number one source of worldwide adoption of everybody more than just the super huge players of the us dollar is stable coins and right now you're letting tether which of course, you know, they're investing in treasuries, they're investing in this, that, the other, but you're letting Tether or someone who doesn't, you know, really care about the US dollar beat the shit out of Circle. Tether is pushing mm. past $80 billion and Circle is is waning down below $20 billion in terms of uh, market capitalization. And that's just gonna keep widening as as the US keeps kind of squeezing. And And on the other side, you're like, okay, you know, as these other countries start to adopt crypto, and, and I mean, like Saudi Arabia is a huge adopter of crypto, and they're the U.S. Israel is is starting to adopt crypto. That may as well be the U.S. right now. I mean, we always hear like the the gotcha news where like oh, Saudi Arabia is, you know, using the you know RMB to buy gas or whatever. Or you know, I'm I'm not the the ultimate current events foreign policy guy, but. Um, you know, at the end of the day, like it, it does represent an opportunity for these BRICS nations uh, to chip away at, at U.S. dollar dominance. And, you know, there there exists a world where the U.S. is is such a pain in the ass with like crypto that suddenly this 80 billion dollars, which will, I'm sure, eventually balloon into hundreds of billions of dollars that Tether is managing you're like, hey, maybe the U.S. dollar isn't the best way to collateralize this. Maybe treasuries aren't the best way to collateralize this. And it's like they're not opening up the avenues for the U.S. dollar to thrive. Um, and they're not opening up avenues for the growing crypto economy to thrive. And and of course, it's just kind of a pimple on the ass of, of the GDP right now. But, um, you know, it has it has expressed a an unstoppable desire to grow and an unstoppable ability to grow and you know it has done that in the face of 
India saying it's illegal, China saying it's illegal multiple times, um, you know, in the face of all of this hubbub in the US, like, uh, you know, hand wringing, virtue signaling, whatever. And yeah, Celsius, our, our favorite DeFi protocol. Celsius <laughs> um, on the blockchain, yeah, I mean, baby, let's go. Yeah, it, it's just like, it's ridiculous. Just kind of support it, let it happen. I think, you know, China yeah. winning, winning the battle for crypto, um, really what that results to is U.S., your citizens are just going to get dumped on by Chinese citizens in like 10 years. Uh, you know, and, you know, if, if the economy ebbs and flows uh, with shitcoin dumping, then, you know, right now China's saying, hey, guys, get in early. We're going to dump on these Americans in five to 10 years. <laughs> um, and, so do you, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Do you guys put stock into what CZ says here? So historically, uh, coverages like these have led to bull runs. I'm not, and, and I would go more towards the, the M2 money supply printing that's going on uh, in China. And then the potential coupling of that with a potential Fed pivot in the back half of the year, where like our monetary policies are moving succinctly uh, up and to the right in terms of printing. Uh, if that if that becomes the case, like do you do you think that that is a catalyst for something like a bull run? Or do you think this is um, overblown? Do you guys know Plan B? He, he yeah. did the stock and flow model. Okay. Mm -hmm. He he put out an, a a really cool report. I don't remember how long ago, but it basically showed if you were to purchase Bitcoin six months prior to the halving and sell it, I think it was twelve months after the halving you outperformed the market by huge amounts, right? Um, and we are 11 months out from the halving, roughly. So it would be within the next five months, you know, hitch that six month mark. So look, it's coming regardless. And I think a lot of us here in the United States, maybe not anyone on this, on this stream, but a lot of people in the United States don't really get the power that china has they just it's there's so much there like if they yeah. let loose on crypto nobody gives a shit what powell's doing anymore like really like i my personal feeling is they can they can dunk over the heads of of everyone if they so choose it's a big yeah. deal is my point Dude, it, like i'm the having couldn't come soon enough. It's like right now, Bitcoin <laughs> is able to chop around. Imagine when like the like inflation is halved. It's like, you know, the market adapt the market adapting is gonna be a pain in the ass. I sometimes dream about the having. I'm like, wow, this has been such a hard two years. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's Super exciting. And, and I would say like Chinese, Korean investors are mm -hmm. like there's, and I, the I guess, Korea. yeah, it's like, it's so much different. It's like they, they will, will buy something like knowing full well that it is maybe not good. Maybe it's a scam. Maybe it's whatever. They will en masse buy something just like the spirit of victory. Uh, whereas the U.S. is just like it, it's it's a little more PVP, and China, of course, it's PVP as well. But everybody knows that, and I feel like the U.S. just tries to like put on a veneer of professionalism and just like you know try to try to fake like oh wag me, dude. The U.S. is literally <laughs> a bunch of wag me guys. 
but yeah, it's uh, well, and I, I think it should be Mac Hawk brings up an interesting comment. I have zero trust with doing any business with the CCP, aka China. Don't disagree with you there. The Chinese people, however, are not the CCP. Um, yeah. they're, they're you dope. know, that just because of how, yeah, exactly. They're very, you ever go to like, like my wife and I probably once every four or five months, we'll go to the hard rock over in Tampa. Like you ever walk by those high limit rooms? Yeah. I you know, who's that. in those high limit rooms? Like one white guy and <laughs> everyone else is Asian, dude. <laughs> like, you know, like that's yeah, no bullshit. Dude. Uh, that's China, dude. China has like everybody in crypto is obsessed with Japan for some reason. And if they like read enough about China, they would realize China is like the coolest place maybe in all of history. It's just been like, you know, like thousands of years of, of unbridled like warfare and, and absolute craziness. And these people are like, so strong and so like driven and um willing to literally lay their lives down to to make their families successful um whereas in the u.s it's like you know uh how many people are still like that uh don't get my pronouns wrong that's what our kids are saying <laughs> over there they're like give me a fucking machine gun all right that's not well true. i, I do think that. that uh like the stuff that ted put, <laughs> ted talk macro puts out great macroeconomic data obviously it's in his uh his twitter handle but i do think the influence of of the chinese money printer coupled with um a approval of bitcoin to some extent is a is a very large positive for this space and bebus your dreams are a mere 10.83 months away or 325 days and in terms of the next Bitcoin having, I think these things do play a large role in what we see next in terms of you know, moment, momentum of Bitcoin coupled with a potential back half pivot from the Fed uh, domestically here in the United States. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, and I think that that's probably that for, for the uh, CZ stuff. Uh, this is something I've been wanting to talk about with you for a while, Beavis, because I'm really curious of your opinion. So to me, base by coinbase because they're all getting based or uh is it seems like a massive potential man I, like i forget the number of the coinbase users slash dollar volume 100 million, 100 million. so 100 million total users um billions of dollars uh that flow through the platform every single year um multi-billions and so like what is the potential here man so basically the context for those listening slash watching is like today uh, i think it was to uh, yesterday so uh base put out a tweet and said we are on our way to mainnet and there's a few steps they have to do to get there we can talk to, about those from a technical perspective but you know effectively they're building on the framework that um optimism optimism has enabled that it sounds like you know you can kind of know what you're doing you get a blockchain set up in 10 or 15 minutes based on this optimism framework based on things yeah. i've hear, heard you say beavis uh totally. but like how big could this be for not just the industry, not just Coinbase, but just how big could base be in general? And then I'd be curious to hear a bunch of other things that I've got planned. So we'll start there. Yeah, I mean, I like base is huge. Base is massive. Base is really interesting. But, um, you know, you you as a DeFi builder, you know, you're constantly thinking of, OK, the reason we build in DeFi is because the total addressable market is absolutely bonkers insane. But the market that we can actually provide services to, the market that is willing to onboard, the market that's actually willing to engage in our apps and has the risk appetite to participate in these DeFi economies is minuscule. It's very tiny. Um, you know, I would say it's in the hundreds of thousands total. Um, and of course, all of those people are high net worth, they're opportunity seekers, they're risk takers, 
Um, but it is what it is. It's, it's not a lot of people. So um, the reason for that is not because like, you know, I mean, the reason for that isn't people not wanting or big players not wanting to onboard people. Like you have your A16Zs, you have Binance, you have all these people putting in all this money, all this energy to onboard people to DeFi. I, I would say the real problem is it's complicated. Finance in general, like Robinhood has maybe one and a half million daily active users, and that's about as big as it gets as a finance app. And, and you look at like financial use cases, it's like number one, easily trading, um, you know, swapping back and forth. And then one order of magnitude below that, we have lending. Okay. One order of magnitude below that, we have something like options. Top options protocols, 300 users. Uh, top lending protocols, 3,000 users being daily active users. And top swap protocols between 30 and 40,000. Um, so one, it's like, you know, making this stuff accessible, do people really want it? Um, will it provide a better service than Coinbase does already? Um, and will onboarding people like you can open the gates, you can provide easy access to, to hundreds of millions of people, but do they want it? Do they want to self custody? Do they want to onboard? Do they want to figure out how to use these protocols? Um, that's, that's kind of the question we're asking. And we find the main driver is airdrops right now. The main driver for adoption is airdrops, unfortunately, like if you want to grow as a chain, you need to have an impending, you know, eight, nine figure airdrop. Otherwise people aren't going to care that much because the people left, the people that didn't leave in May are people who have been here a long as time. They know the deal. They're here to get high risk, high reward uh, or low risk, high reward plays just by existing because we're paying people to exist in our in our industry right now, which is fine. A lot of industries do that and we're very new. Um, so that being said, will base actually bring on more users to DeFi? I don't know. Uh, is, 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 is the, the answer to that. And I think we will see, because this is something that hasn't really been done before. It's someone with the ability to create, you know, an eight, nine figure user pipeline to usership. I think this is where we find out, do people actually want it? Do normal people want DeFi? Do normal people want to self custody? Do normal people want to engage with these activities. And and what I think we'll probably end up seeing is we'll probably end up seeing Coinbase Ventures portfolio projects being vomited onto the chain. We'll probably be seeing A16, Paradigm, all their you know uh, investor base vomiting liquidity onto the chain. And we'll see the existing DeFi user base and all these professional market makers using it just like they already use everything else. Um, and and I would use it as a result of that. Because yeah, I would also there's use so it. much liquidity and yield to be had. Totally. And and I think like, you know, <clears throat> is is there going to be enough to outweigh the fact that there's not going to be a token? Um, I think, you know, different users want different things, of course, like airdrop farmers and people who actually use DeFi. There are two different sized, you know, parties. Um, you know, $2,000 to some person is life changing $2,000 to another person. It's like, you know, I can make that much in yield in, in a day. Um, um so would, yeah, would you, 
Would you argue, Beavis, that they're also different target audiences completely? Like, like what you just described was like the the airdrop chaser versus the you know the the service. Yeah, and I think yeah, I mean there are. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I just think it's a big differentiator. Like, like the folks that we're probably targeting here is Coinbase on base, or are, are the folks that are, they're coming for a use of a service instead of like like exactly. not. I don't envision not having a token actually being an inhibitant to this to the success of this long term. Because I don't think I think it's targeting different folks that are that are not yeah. going off chain, that are not going DeFi, that are you know that want the, the safety of like what base is going to provide. Their strength is they don't need the token for liquidity. If they do everything right and they have prepared accordingly, they don't need the token for liquidity. And if all of their systems are flush, then I'm sure they're going to be grinding like everybody else to onboard people to DeFi, but they will probably capture a lot of the existing audience. Um, you know, and it's like this is our this this will absolutely be our best pathway to growing DeFi. Um, I think Binance and, and BNB chain do a great job. Easily the most used apps on that chain. PancakeSwap, Uniswap has forty thousand daily active users. PancakeSwap has close to one hundred fifty thousand daily active users. Um, I think we'll we'll maybe see something similar with Base, wherein people are able to interact with DeFi from their accounts, but it's going to be a years long process. It's going to be the same as everybody else. You know, they might have better onboarding infrastructure. They might have better access to users. They might have more money. But the, at, at the end of the day, DeFi needs to get more efficient. Accessibility needs to improve. And the value proposition needs to actually make sense to users. And right now, it's pretty obvious that it, it doesn't really. Um, and it will. But right now, it's just complicated. And, you know, people can come on chain to swap stuff that's illegal to swap on Coinbase. Um, and that's like literally the number one use case uh, for crypto right now. Um, Dude, I, I look at awesome. this as like, you know, and I know people call it like Fed chain or, you know, whatever they're going to call it. It doesn't really matter. But like if, if this does open up a door to new eyes entering DeFi, even if it's like somebody put in the comments, C DeFi, or it's let me hold your hand DeFi, or it's well, you're KYC'd and you know the feds are tracking you DeFi. If there's significant liquidity, that will have all the benefits that come with it. And it may even suck temporarily some liquidity away from the other alt chains. However, in the long run, I believe it will be a net positive for all chains because it's, it's increasing the capacity of what DeFi can do. A hundred percent. If you remember your first step into DeFi or into crypto, that was the first step of a very long and exciting journey. And base is going to be a lot of people's first steps. And a lot of those people might not take a second step. A lot of those people might not, you know, they might take a step and then step right back. Um, but really, like if you're if you're giving that first step to, let's say, 500,000 people, if they're able to, to give that first step to 500,000 people and 20 of those people decide to take a second step or 20% of those people decide to take a, a second step, they've basically grown the industry by like 40%. Um, and, and that's really the, the exciting thing uh, about base. And that's kind of, you know, the base thesis and, you know, we'll be building on base. Um, I think base... I was yeah. going to ask you, so GMX announced that they are planning to be one of the initial DeFi to base deployers. Uh, is that something that you're also looking into? A thousand percent. I mean, I think anybody who says they aren't building on base is like kidding themselves a little. It's, it's like 
nowhere else are you going to get more access, even even to eyes. If you are successful on base, then you, to a certain extent, it's like being being moderately successful on base is is. I mean, I, I hate to use this as, as an example is like better than being wildly successful on Phantom, for example, because people will have their eyes on base. They'll be interested in, in base and they'll be vested in the long term of success of base. And that will be more so than any other network and on par with BNB chain. Um, so if, if base is going to be the American investor classes, you know, first step into DeFi, uh, as as BNB chain was the Chinese investor classes first step into DeFi, then we're going to see really magical things. Um, and they they already have a coin. It's called it's literally called coin. Uh, so if you're a fan of, uh, <laughs> of base chain, then uh, you know you can buy it on any broker. So you yeah. know, good job or uh, any website, uh, whatever the hell you call it. <laughs> So I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you guys you guys have said. I think that base is the gateway, and, and I'm not going to say for the next X amount of users, but it's the gateway for people to start their journey into DeFi. And you, you get started there, you, you know, your feet wet, you understand what's going on, and then you realize you know, the need for decentralization. Then you realize the need for uh, you know, not your keys, not your crypto. Like All those lessons will be learned. They're going to be yeah. learned in a sandbox there. And then you venture out and it opens up the world of DeFi and true. Um, they will know. be, they will be sold. They will be sold. And if yeah. they take to the, if they take to the pitch, if they take to the value prop, then awesome. And I think DeFi has a very, very compelling value proposition. And, you know, it's moved a long way from, Hey, we're going to have Uber decentralized, like, you know, no external dependency, fully algorithmically governed protocols. It's evolved more into, Hey, we're going to serve you and give you more value than competitors, and uh, also you're not necessarily as exposed to, to fractional reserve banking. Um, and I think that's a fine value prop. And we're going to see KYC Fi. We're going to see you know all of the different types of Fi's that you have maybe feared in the past. But at the at the end of the day, it's like the D and D Fi is a spectrum, and you know. You can do things if users are KYC that you couldn't dream of doing otherwise, you know, and you can do things if you're fully decentralized that you couldn't dream of doing otherwise. Um, so it's it's really like the more we flush out that spectrum and, and the more we kind of build these bridges to new user bases, new risk tolerances, then the likelier it is we are to succeed as an industry. So I would say if you're not supporting base, support base, you know, support Binance, support Coinbase, support our champions because otherwise like what are we you know we're just cockroaches <laughs> um, and i think like you know on this show like we kind of i know that we get into a kind of an echo chamber and i've caught myself a lot of times just assuming people know what the hell i'm talking about using acronyms not explaining them right okay and i saw a post from somebody the other day um, it, it was somebody that's held IOTA for a long time. And he goes, well, I'm just not going to follow the shimmer Twitter account anymore. Cause all they do is share all these websites that are gambling. And they don't actually share any gambling websites. They share lending protocols and DEXs and shit. That's DeFi. DeFi. <laughs> this man has never been educated as to what it is. I mean, you hold shimmer, you want to put it in a, 
Ave Fork, just deposit it and earn 7% per year. Like, fucking do it, bro. That not much of a gamble there, except for smart contract risk. But like these are the this is the type of stuff that if he would just if somebody would show him one strategy to to change it away from his level of thinking, he could he would probably go out and find 10 more on his own. Right. And yeah. I think that's a lot of what you're saying, Beavis, is like let show him the water is not too hot, not too cold. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, let them get their toes wet. The the gambling thing, like, you know, a lot of it is all gambling. of finance yeah. is, you know, it is the smooth and efficient transfer of risk and reward. And do you want to know what else mm. is a very smooth and efficient transfer of risk and reward? Gambling. Um, but correlation does not oh. equal causation. And quite frankly, depending on your heat level, uh, Thai food. Um, <laughs> exactly. Risk. Reward. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, <laughs> never it's, heard, it's never a true uh, statement. Yeah, we're we're like we're we're trying to accomplish, like we're trying to give people the tools to uh, create a life and create a financial framework to be successful in, and um, that's that's really all it is. And and you know you can equate finance to gambling in probably a billion different ways, um, but you can also equate anything to gambling. It's literally the most like fundamental primitive of human emotion like you know having a baby is a gamble you know uh you know running down the stairs instead of walking down the stairs oh you're gambling um but yeah <laughs> it's like you know um that's unfortunately life we we live in one big stochastic and you know anything can happen everything is random entropy is going to eat away us at all at us all and um we just need to live with that and and use these tools to uh, create a framework for success. And and that's, you know, all we need to think about. All right. Well, I'm, I personally am, am very excited to see what comes of base and what is built on base. And as a KYC Coinbase user, I'm going to check it out anyway. So uh, with that said, I have, a, I have a question for you, my man. I have been reinvigorated into American baseball. I was the biggest baseball hater like the last 10 years. Cause honestly, it sucks, dude. The, the games are boring. They take forever. It's not fun. But they recently implemented a pitch clock. And so the pitcher has 20 seconds to get the ball in his hand, oh. get down, throw it back to home plate, and the games last like two hours and 15 minutes. And now I'm right down the street from the Tropicana race, or the race <laughs> I play at Tropicana. And so like, I've been going to a lot of baseball games. So I say that to say this. Where are we in the, the life cycle of crypto from inning one to nine? Where do you think we are? Because like the where I'm where I'm taking this ultimately is we will have another bull run at some point. It Any will look two. a lot different than the bull run we just saw, as the one previous to that did as well. Uh, and so where do you think we are on innings one to nine in terms of crypto's match uh, maturation or maturity? Uh, because there's gonna be a lot of new players coming onto the scene. And so it's you know yeah, that we are I mean well, I mean, maybe we're in inning five or six, but I, I would say you think like, we're that deep? The, the first nah. time crypto, no, I don't actually, uh, but the, the first time crypto <laughs> was turned into something that is useful, in my opinion, is the the advent of DeFi. Um, you know, DAO's cool and all, but it, I would say 2020 was the advent of crypto as something that matters and will matter. Or maybe the dawn of Ethereum, you know, Ethereum being, okay, this is crypto as a technology, not necessarily crypto as an idea or an experiment, which is great as well. Bitcoin is awesome. Um, I would say like 
you know, inning, inning zero, like the prep was all of the 2017 ICOs, everybody threw their money in. 2020, we saw the birth of, of all these protocols and companies who were funded by the ICOs and were figuring out how the hell to build all this stuff. Um, and they had three free years to just like develop these beautiful systems and, and bring on some of the smartest software engineers in the world. And now that was inning, inning zero. Okay, the birth of DeFi is the beginning of the game. Okay, inning one was we are operating at the protocol level, the absolute lowest level. Um, I would say Yearn is like the invention of Yearn. That was kind of the first real application that plugged into DeFi. The invention of Yearn was like, you know, the 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 hark of of inning two or or inning yeah inning two. So we have the invention of Yearn. Um, we have all of the DeFi applications that follow. We have the the uh, advent of the DeFi as Lego blocks metaphor and and the composability metaphors and all that cool stuff. Um, and now inning three, we're starting to take these yield derivatives, these interest-bearing derivatives. So you can think of a Y token or a Yearn token as like a T bill or whatever the hell. Um, and now we're learning how to compose them into uh, more nuanced financial products. Um, so I would say we're at inning three, um, like ethos reserve is, is, you know, our entry into inning three, it might, you know, you look at it at the surface, it's like, you know, uh, a CDP platform, whatever, but, um, you know, really what's happening underlying is we have built on top of all of the infrastructure that was created in inning two here. So now we're in inning three, we see options protocols, we see rep state teeth protocols, doing a lot of similar stuff, joining us in inning three. And now inning four, that's when you'll be taking things like ERN or staked ERN or you know stability pool ERN and composing those further into more interesting things. And as the markets become more ab abstract, they'll become more efficient because a user does one thing and they're able to arb 20 different markets. You know, They're able to regulate the interest rates. They're able to regulate the price of, of 20 different things. Um, and that's that's where things get really important because um, as it stands right now, like, you know, block times are fairly slow. High frequency trading doesn't exist. A lot of times it's not even worth it for arbitragers to execute trades or bridge assets or take on uh, risks. Um, and so, you know, inning nine, you know, will just be like you won't be able to see a difference. It'll be. Yeah. It's going to be um, native across everything. You won't even know what you're using, or that's that's yeah, how it, it's like. Be. You know, oh, DeFi, oh, I'm I'm going to you know use this DeFi exposed ETF uh, to hedge a little bit against fractional yeah. reserve banking, or hedge a little bit against this or that or the other, and it just becomes an intelligent inclusion into a, a portfolio. But for now, so, we're still racing toward. Uh, greater levels of efficiency. So I, I agree with your time frame. Like I, I break it down even more simply, like Bitcoin, uh, you know, Ethereum comes on the scene, centralized exchanges become a thing, DeFi is implemented, like in its most pure, simple form, right? Four innings, whatever. So Austin, you know, I the reason I breathe in this stuff is like, how much different do you think this next bull run looks than the one that we saw prior? Because we've got the rise of layer twos, we've got new layer ones coming. You just did name A with, with Shimmer. You've got SWE and and you know and Shimmer Network and all these other players coming into the space. How much different do you think the next, you know, twelve to twenty-four months looks than than the prior that we saw? Can this be the last time we mention SWE on this channel? Can Sweet. we just like never do the pick call ever again? <laughs> all right, um, I like it. 
sweet. I just think it's fun. But go on. I, I, I give you my question. So, yeah. Okay. I have a theory that's not my theory. I've shared it before, but that we're, you know, coming for a wave five blow off top that'll pull us out of a secular bowl that we've been in for a couple of decades and lead to a really bad 10, 12 years of bear, not necessarily in Bitcoin, but in traditional uh, equities and traditional markets. And if that happens, you know, a blow off top is like two, 2017. Right. And the top happened over the course of like 30 days yeah. and it, it dwarfed the former six months. Right. <laughs> like it went, whoosh, right. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's parabolic. I'm only saying that to tell everyone watching if that does happen, take profits yeah. because this round trip may be longer than the last round trip if you round trip it. Um, but if you're here right now, you don't have to round trip it. So I think we have a crazy bull market coming. And I think it's coming a lot quicker than everyone thinks. I think, I think this thirty-two thousand dollar level on Bitcoin is equivalent to like the ten thousand dollar level we saw back in twenty twenty-one. Yeah, pulling out of the COVID lows. You know, it took set. How long did it take? Seven months or so for us to come off the COVID lows up to ten thousand. Took a while. Oh, um, nine K CME gap. Oh, dude. And that was <laughs> that was actually a post having right. Uh, that ha we had the halving happen in mid 2020, right? Wasn't it May 2020, somewhere in there? Yeah. So I think I think there's there's a line in the sand that when it gets broken, there will be an official okay. We've we've bowled out now, right? I think that line in the sand personally is 32,000, um, and and I think we crab for a little while. I don't I don't know that that we hit it over the summer, but you know what happens after the summer, like in October November. QE. We hit Plan B six months before mm. uh, before <laughs> having right the best time to buy. I think between now and then we we kick um, yeah. and just position yourself like you know just position yourself accurately. Um, I you know a, a full transparency like I was positioning myself in Phantom. I've started to like really analyze the chain and like the activity that's going on and like the enthusiasm coming from the top. And I've like pulled back on that theory um, because it just doesn't, you know, like I've never been a huge AVAX guy until I really started digging, digging into AVAX. And I'm like, shit, man, I'm kind of becoming a fan of like what these guys are building over there, you know, yeah. or Ma maximum is dead in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Like the biggest bugaboo fault that I've had through all crypto, through all runs that I've ever been in is maximalism to certain things. You hang on to a narrative and you cling on to it so tight. Uh, and and yeah. you know, 38 Special would say, hold on loosely. Uh, if you cling too tightly, you're going to lose control. Yeah. And that's what happens all the time. You don't even have kids and you're making bad jokes. Right? I'm just saying, like, that's what happens all the time. Like, you get you get so fixated on these narratives that, like, you you have to become a, a maximalist to this one thing. And, like, I have completely let that go. Like, I try to approach everything with the perspective of I, I generally don't know what I'm doing. And so I'm going to learn as much as I can about these particular things and then make an assessment from there. Uh, yeah. And that is a, you know, that's an approach that I think um, I, you know, would implore yeah. others to do because if you want to win, you need to be, um, you don't need to be overly diversified, but you do need to have some diversification and you can't have all yeah. of them in one basket, in my opinion. Yeah. So, so what Develop I think will happen next run, case. yeah, exactly. And, and I think that we're going to see completely new players emerge in this next wave that we did not see before. Mm -hmm. And that happens yeah. every single cycle, like not, oh, aha, Clay, like great, you know, great, in, great Intel. 
But uh, if you take a step back and look at how things have changed, with, you know the the rise of layer twos with like you know with the iterations of layer ones at, uh, across the spectrum of different technology, like it's happening right in front of us. The question is, are we paying attention? And yeah. so that yeah. to me is That's a big right. piece of the next cycle. So Justin, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with you. Um, yeah, totally. Like just look at things from different perspectives. And I think what we saw, everybody was so surprised by 2021, they only had time to research one thing. <laughs> uh, that that literally is uh, what I think happened. And, um, you know, people are developing way more nuanced opinions about valuing protocols and valuing this, that, the other. And yeah, like there is a world of opportunity your favorite project, there are people just as smart at, at working on your friend's favorite project or your enemy's favorite project. Like there are, there are so many intelligent people in this industry with unique perspectives. And, you know, this is a broad spectrum market that is maturing at a very rapid pace. And, you know, who knows, like this is, this is random. The markets are random. You know, we can't predict what is going to happen on the regulation end. So it's like, you know, the most the most aggressive person, like in in a specific lane, if that's the winning lane, they're going to win. And, you know, you're going to have a lot of people operating defensively, putting feelers out here, here, here. You know, there are your safe bets. There are your risky bets. You know, if, if you're putting all your eggs in one basket, if that's the killer basket, then you're going to win. But if it's invalidated by regulation or if it's invalidated by XYZ, you may as well have not invested in yeah. at all or had the money in the first place, you know? Um, so just think about stuff like it's not so simple as this is going to win. That's going to win because the world of information that's going to unfold in the next two years, nobody has access to. And if you were to analyze it um, as, as effectively as possible, the output would be, like very loose correlations bordering on total randomness. And that's just the nature of the markets until a week before something ignites. Um, and, and, you know, you can be instinctual and you can have a very strong thesis and your thesis might be wrong or it might be right. Um, you just need to try really hard to invalidate your own ideas, talk to people who are smart and willing to invalidate them for you and just butt heads, butt heads, butt heads until you're like, this is, probably the path forward and i've talked to enough people about it and they haven't had too much bad to say and i'm just going to stick with it and if i fail i fail and i catch them next time yeah or or you eat your kids college fund and shit coins and hope for the best right that's Ooh, what i do baby but i i did i did want to add on to that that you know what one yeah. thing i've noticed it's it's a very rare project that is a shining star two bull runs in a row Right. right, right. More than oh, you're right. Yeah. But that leads a bull run. Agreed. Yeah. Many of the, your shining stars in 2017 never caught a bid in 2021. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or the ones that caught a big bid in 2019. Right. Cause there was a mini run there. You know, we, we, we yeah. saw them in 2021, but a lot of your older narratives, older names, you know, because so much is built between then and now. Yeah. yeah. So much new tech is emerging. You know, yeah. there are chains like, like I would say, an exception to that in my guess, even though the proof of stake chain of Polygon is not really that great, but their ZK EVM tech, you know, is, is a new narrative that they capitalized on. And so Matic may have the ability to capitalize upon that. Right. And there yeah. still is significant activity and traction on that chain regardless. 
I, I have such like a, a hard time, Austin, with the 2017 to 2021 comparison because like it was such an apples to oranges time in crypto in terms of like what yeah. what do these companies do? What do you build? Like most mostly vaporware, right? There was there was no DeFi. Like there's like I, I'm gonna be fascinated to see the comparison from 2021 to 2025, where you've got companies that are building real products that some have flipped now profitable uh, in the space. And so like how how different is it this time around? what you're describing from from the previous cycle spaces of four years so like I, I totally agree with you we really didn't like look with the exception of like xrp and cardano you can't name a lot that like saw right decent yeah. uh upside into the following four years and now bnb bnb yeah absolutely massive but they're, they're, these are we're talking about it you know strong. major narratives that are dil- building ecosystems like xrp even is having their own you know the ledger they and have the xrpl back, now Yes. Yeah. Well, so there's, let's tell you a little, little story. When I first got into crypto, this was in 2017. I mean, I was pretty much glued to it. I was nuts on it, but I, I didn't really know what I didn't really know. And I was reading all the ICOs and I had a buddy come along who hit big on ETH. I think he bought it like four bucks or something. And he mm-hmm. sent me, I think it was like 50 ETH. I think he sent me about 60 grand at the time. And he's like, just go eat them into some ICOs and let's see if we can make some money. I put him into one ICO. And it, it was it was the one that won first place at the North American Bitcoin conference the year before. And it was called Shopping. Yeah, I, I got into shopping. Did you? Yeah. To the ICO. And that ended with federal agents picking up the founder at yeah. uh the, the LaGuardia airport and deporting him back to South America or South Africa because he fucking stole money from everyone and didn't produce a product. Yep. So that's how that ended. I still have the tokens. Yeah, absolutely. Got into shopping, got into to vet, you know, Ven, which has become vet. Uh, yeah, that was real though. Yeah, know? yeah, that was I a mean, real deal. So, we but think. I, I think I think just be nimble, and and one one big mistake I made in 2021, like, and this may sound cold, but Nick taught me this, and you know, if I were to identify who who would I call, probably the one that is almost guaranteed to make it out with an extra buck, it would be Nick Dracon. Um, and, and you, it's great to make friends in crypto. It's awesome to make friends in crypto. And this is a player versus player environment. If you're on a football team, you're playing to win and you're playing against the other team. And unfortunately everyone else is the other team in crypto at the end of the day. And if you get too attached to a team building if you get too attached to a coin like I did, I, I like fell in love with these teams. I'm like, oh, this is fucking great. I'm going to buy all their token supply and never sell it, right? That was not a good move. Um, <laughs> like, you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, if you want to yeah. get out of this game alive, you need to be nimble. You need to stay on your toes. And yeah, you need to exit good. positions when when the risk doesn't meet the reward. Mm. Sizing love, love, is love key. That, Austin. Love to hear you say that. <laughs> I mean, this is the math. <laughs> This ain't the Ryder Cup. Like we ain't all wearing the same color T-shirts trying to win for our country. Like that's the bottom line, right? Uh, and it is an overlooked fact. And like taking profits, this is a discussion we don't have enough because that is the key. Like I don't care if you know if it's been if you've seen a fifty percent move. Like there's nothing wrong with shaving ten percent off the top. Obviously, Austin generally says back to me like you're crazy because we're gonna hit you know a parabolic bull run and you're gonna be sad that you did that. But you never go broke taking profits. And like that's to me, it's like there's so many round trip stories out there of people that saw you know, a 10 X run and took absolutely nothing off the table. Um, and like, why are we here? If that, if that is, the, if that's the plan, then 
like there's no reason to do this. And so, well, it's easier to get, you know, a five X and a 10 X from two different coins than it is to get a 50 X. And once you've gotten a five X, you got to go, well, why don't I take these profits and roll them into something that's bottomed out? And right now, everyone on everyone watching this should be looking right now. Most coins are dead. And when I say dead, I mean, they're, they're dead. They're not fucking moving. Like they're, trickling down waiting for something to happen but there are some that are not there are some that are moving like the ai bid a while back like some of those went multiples dude right and if you can figure out in this market how to increase your usd stack or your bitcoin stack or whatever to wait because there will be a bottoming process i think at some point like we're probably going to get a spring and the way that i think that's going to happen is we might see a deviation below 25 freak everyone the hell out and then spring back above and go to break 32. Like that would make sense to me. Yep. Um, but I, I'll bet alts suffer in that time. Big time. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think better you can do. All, all we can hope for as an industry is that the believers are winning trades and the people that don't actually give a shit and are just here for money are losing trades. I think like, we're we're not all going to become uber rich crypto magnates. There's not enough money in the economy to make that a reality. Um, but what we can do is we can try to lift the tide. And, and the way we do that is by supporting people with long time horizons, supporting people who really believe in the tech um, and, you know, shying away from the, you know, people who are just trying to pump and then like, you know, murder people like Sisyphus comes to mind. If you remember the like Canto, uh, Exmon, all this stuff where it's just like, I'm going to sell you a narrative just so I can make money as opposed to, I'm going to sell you a narrative that I think is actually going to change the world. Um, and, and, it, and that's, what's, that's, what's cool. I if, think, you, about crypto. if you stick around here long enough, you, you will get lucky. Like this is a game of luck. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate to break it to you, but you can do as much, DYOR as you'd like. You can, you know, you can do all the things you think you're supposed to do, but eventually you just happen to fall into something and 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 it's a great opportunity. And like if you stay here long enough, that will happen. And John yeah. steps to your turning $500 into 160k and round tri round tripping it. Don't feel bad because I put 2 grand in Klima and before it launched and turned into 400k and I round tripped that. So, <laughs> you don't, you don't awesome. let those things happen twice, right? That those are the lessons that we take from this and say great, if we're here long enough and we stay here and we stay diligent, and we get and when we we at least take a look at the opportunities that are in front of us, we will eventually fall into one that's going to make sense. Yeah. Uh, but what you do with that opportunity is then up to you. And so those are lessons that we don't let happen twice. Yeah. Uh, and so to me, this wasn't part of the show, but this is what it's sort of become. And, and actually, I enjoy it. Uh, and so, you know, I think with that, guys, uh, it's 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 Thursday. Uh, Beavis, I know you have a lot to do. And uh, Austin, always have fun with your brother. Before we before we wrap, sure. Um, before we wrap, because we talked about the the word getting lucky uh, was used a couple of times. Sorry, I was trying to look up a book on Audible because my name is blinking. But there, you know. Some people may disagree with what I'm about to say, but this is my experience, right? This is my experience. I, I was newly sober back in, you know, this was in 2018. I could not make money for the life of me. Now, I had been quite successful beforehand, but I had convinced myself somewhere along the way that a lot of my 
problems, a lot of the defects that I exhibited in life had kind of come from the fact that I made so much money so quickly. Right. And really what it was is I was a, you know, I just had bad habits and yeah, choices and my habits. life into the ground yeah. <laughs> and I lost all my money, but it had kind of like scared me and blah, 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 blah. Anyhow, um, from the years of 2018 to I would say mid 2019, I could not make money, but I read a book, um, and subsequent other books, but the one that I want to refer to is a book called think and grow rich by a guy named Napoleon Hill. And the basic premise of this book is, and there's also a guy named Neville. He's a little bit more out of there, but you, you kind of want to assume the feeling of what would it be like if your dream came true, right? Like, and it's, it's a book about the, the, the normal, the term that we use nowadays, law of attraction, but, but for, for a, a solid, I would say 15 months, I sat for, I would say 30 to 45 minutes every single morning. My, my wife was like, you're a stump on a log, go do something. Um, and I started assuming the feeling of like, what, it actually felt like, you know, and I can't promise you that that's the reason, but within a couple of years, I had made millions of dollars and I had never seen that much money in my life. So you know? you're, you're talking about, uh, what is the, uh, what's the this, this is just personal stuff, man. Just yeah. like take the time to get clear on what do you actually want? Yeah. Like, what do you really want? What, what's the ceiling on what you think is possible? You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, I won't name names. And he was like, man, if I could hit for 10K, that would be great. I said, why not 100? Because it doesn't seem possible. It's No, that's not that's certainly not possible. Why the fuck is it not possible? It's absolutely possible. Just, just get real clear on what you want, like what's important to you. Write it down. It's a real thing. Like, do yeah. that. Get clear on it and, and focus your sights on it. That's what you can do to manifest the luck that Clay was talking about because the way my luck falling into phantom came about is it kept showing up in my existence and my brain connected that with, I'm getting a signal. Yep. And I took yeah. it. I think, um, what we don't realize is that a lot of people, especially about their lives or the things that are like vital to their existence. A lot of people don't think, and, and whether it be because they're, you know, plugged into a video game, whether it be because it's depressing to think about, whether it be any number of things, they don't sit down and build conviction and build confidence. And I think we were kind of on, on the same page with, with Phantom Austin, where we were, we were like, all of this stuff is like, it's just building mass, building mass, building mass. And, you know, you just sit down and think, you know, where is the signal and the noise? Where is something that I can actually create an actionable path forward with? And how do I build up enough knowledge, build up enough confidence in my plan to have the conviction to go from point A to point B? And I think that's what people a lot of the times lack because they don't even know what their point E is. You know, they, they get the point A and maybe they stumble down a path, but they have no idea um, where they're headed. And because they don't know where they're, they're headed, they get lost easily. And, and it's not, you know, it, it has nothing even to do with manifesting, I would say. Of course, everybody has their own interpretation of this, but it's really like developing maturity in your thought patterns, developing maturity in your theses and in your convictions such that, you know, if someone were to come up with you and argue that you were wrong, you would be able to stand there and confidently say, 
I don't think I'm wrong and here's why. And, and you, you need to be humble enough to say, if I am wrong, then so be it, because I can just do this again. And I can just go down the path again if I have to start from scratch. It doesn't matter that much because I've been here before. Um, and, and I think that's like the really Im- important part. And you just need to read more uh, shonen manga, uh, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, well, well, well said from both of you. Like, I think you know, at the end of the day, until you relinqu- relinquish control, that you are not in control. Uh, and that is something I struggle with every single day. Ask either of these gentlemen uh, about the way that I try to handle work. It's one of those things. That's the, that's the bugaboo of my personality. But hopefully we can give enough good information on this channel. We can understand what the goals of, of everybody are uh, and bring forward good intel and and kind of help grow together. That's the, that's I, Honestly, that's yeah. the reason why we did this. Like really, if you go back to like the crux of what the transition from FTM Alerts to this was, it was to like give omni-channel knowledge and and train people up on how to use omni-chain platform. Omni-chain knowledge, my friend, uh, and and you know, so that that's like that is the mission I think that we have ahead of us yeah. going into the you know the years ahead, and I'm excited about it. And totally. uh, you know, and, and conversations like this are are awesome to open yeah. that door. It's so. it's what it's what I talk about with community all all the time, and with your family and with your block. It's like the people that you come up with, like if you can foster success in the people around you, then that's just going to create compounding effects for you and again, the people around you. And, you know, that's why we do this. It's because, you know, sure the the market of DeFi or crypto isn't big right now, but when it does become big, if we can make sure everybody in our audience is as, as successful as possible and as well equipped with good information as we can, then you will all be successful, thereby making us more successful. And and that's like, you know, that's that's what you do. You you know, you you get on your block, you you know, teach people skills, you you build up your community and and you know, all that can come of that is is greater success. As yep. as hard and sometimes uh, difficult as it as it is, even though those are synonyms. But uh, I have yeah. to answer Mr. Got Plenty and and the only correct answer is I didn't and that's why I went broke. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Uh, well, gentlemen, we are at the hour 20 minute mark. Uh, it is a, you know, brought to you by Beavis Thursday. Uh, one of my favorite days of the week, if not the favorite day of the week, we got to cross the chains tomorrow live at noon Eastern with Mr. Mark Jeffrey. Uh, I will be there. Vinny Lingham coming on the show. That's right. Damn. So, yeah. Yeah. Big, big, big day tomorrow. Uh, as we are every single day, we are live at noon Eastern. Tell one friend about the show. Tell one friend about Block Bites. We can quickly double the number, my friends. It's like a pyramid. Uh, shout it's, it's like a pyramid without the MLM, all right? It's, Most stable it works, structure. It works very, very differently. Awesome. I don't know how many times I have to tell you this. But uh, we are live every day at Eastern. <laughs> you know, I just uh, hey Wally's asking why Nick Nick is not on the show anymore, dude. And I am also honestly I'm asking the same thing. So Wally, get on here, Nick. Nick is a freaking legend. That man has taught me more about this industry than many people combined. Yeah, yeah. Nick's cool. So yes, we will fix that as well, Wally. Uh, I I completely agree, my friend. Uh, but yeah, so everyone, listen, if you're not tuning in to Cross the Chains tomorrow, which you should be, uh, have a great weekend. If you are, then I will see you there. Mr. Austin Blockbites, Justin Bebus, uh, pleasure to be with you both today. Appreciate your time. Looking forward to next week. We'll be live every single day, guys, live in New Nation. You know that. Uh, and we will catch you on the next one. So, Mikey, bring us home, brother. Later, boys. Peace.